series called For This Church. And we're going to do this a couple times a year. And what this is, is um, <laughs> it's an opportunity for Jamel and I to just go pray about what God has to say to our church, specifically, not in a series. You know what I'm saying? Like, usually we're, we're teaching through something. And this is just, Lord, if, if you have one week to use my voice to speak to our church, what do you have? And so I got to go pray about it in Ethiopia. Jamel this weekend is praying about next week as, as he'll come and, and share. But I was in Ethiopia thinking about us. And as I prayed for us, the topic that came to my heart was distractions. And just praying through distractions. I think part of it is because you're, we're over there and it's, there just aren't as many. There's just not as many distractions. And things that would be distracting to us are just life. And you just move on. Everybody's got smartphones over there, but nobody's got the glare on their face. Ever, you know, like, it's just a different world. And I was like, okay, Lord, what is, what is this? So uh, this morning I want to talk to you for a couple minutes about distractions and what it is that God wants to do in us as a church. So many of you know one church is is history and where we come from. We've always had this, this as one of our statements. One church will transform our community as we become more like Jesus. And if you don't know that, hopefully at least you recognize that in us. Hopefully at least you recognize that intent in us, that we're trying to transform our community and we're trying to become more like Jesus and we're trying to do this together as a larger body. A lot of you know our values. We actually, we trick you and you read them every week. You might not know you read them, but you read them every week before we go into a past the love. Who, who, there's six of them. We're, we're going to do a little bit of like, you get to talk to me. You only get to say like one. None of you get to show off. But, but who knows one of our values here? Go ahead and talk out loud. Don't be a white church. Come on. Love recklessly, says Angel, who knows them all. Diversity, yeah. Family, yeah. Authenticity, you guys are doing good. There's two more. Expecting hope. What's the last one? Truth. Those are our six values here. And hopefully you've heard them before. Hopefully when I say them, you're like, oh, good night. That's value. Like, hopefully you're like, yeah, I could see that. I can see where they're trying to live into this kind of thing. This is, this is who the church is. This is who we're trying to be. And God's brought us all in different timing. So let's, everybody's going to play a part of this. But if this is your first, second, or third time, just raise your hand. We're, you're not going to have to do anything besides raise your hand. Let's celebrate you. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but when you visit a church for your first, second, third time, even beyond that, but when you visit a church and you smile at people like me, it works like caffeine. I get so excited that new people come in, like, oh my goodness, you found us. And it's so exciting when new people come, because I I love old people, but new people, I don't know your quirks yet, you know? (laughs) It's just true. If If you started coming... When we were in this building, raise your hand for a second. There we go. We celebrate you, too. 
Martin doesn't know when he started coming, but <laughs> he's participating, which is great. Good job. So we've been in this building for about a, a, a little over a year. This is where we're really trying to live into this community, care for this community here, and where we're kind of trying to start to figure out who we are. How many of you started joining us when we were in the Avenue Room down on campus? Yeah, there was a lot more of us. You guys are great. That, that was in the season that Jamel and I called the Great Exodus, where we grew the church from 200 to 50. <laughs> we couldn't tell what was our head or what was our tail, and y'all were very gracious to us, at least to our faces. That's so we appreciate that. How many of you are from the beginning? You have been here since the beginning. Yes. You are the OGs. You know why we limp. <laughs> We've been through it, right? Like, we know all the, like, oh, my, you remember that week? And we don't even have to say it. It's that kind of thing. We just have a shared language of, like, uh, right? And, like, yes. We're not overly impressed with where we are today. But, we're like, praise God, we're not where we used to be. We used to, like, sniff test each other to see if we could trust each other for, like, a year and a half. Just everybody wondering, like, okay, is this going to work? Is this, is this going to happen? And when you work really hard at something, like we've done, and you get tired, and your arms, like, hit that thing where they're just like jelly, you know, and you're supposed to carry something, and you, get, you can't really do it anymore. I don't know why my leg acted like jelly when my arm was, but that's what happened. <laughs> I'm weak. You can get real distracted in those moments when you're tired. When you've been working hard at the same thing, you can get real distracted. You can get real protective, but you can also get real distracted. And when I was in Ethiopia, I was thinking about distractions, and I was thinking about Nehemiah in particular, the book of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah was this cupbearer who had asked what was, happen uh, what was happening over in Jerusalem. His brothers told him there was this horrible situation. The wall was destroyed. The city was destroyed. People were without hope. Nehemiah was driven to tears and fasting and aching for his people. And Nehemiah had no money and no real authority. And really, no real call in, in what he wrote. God is never quoted as to say, this is your task. But he had this deep, deep, like, urgency within himself to go rebuild a wall around Jerusalem. And this wall was, was not like our like southern wall or anything like that. It, this wall was about, like, marking what was God's. This wall, this wall was about restoring hope to a people. And he just had this deep sense, this is my task. And even though nobody really gave it to me and I don't have authority, I'm going to build this wall. And he, he got all of these people to participate. And they had to have a sword in one hand and their tools in another. And there were these two bad guys throughout it, Sanballat and Tobias, which like sometimes where do these names come from? Like if you're having twins that you don't like, you could name them that. 
if you just pre-know you're not going to like your children, name them Sandballot. Because this guy just, he sounds like a veggie tale. He just seems mean from his name. And he is. He's got these bad guys coming after him and all this kind of stuff. And Nehemiah goes to build this wall. Now, here's some of the distractions that Nehemiah faced. And I want you to see if you can resonate with any of these. He didn't know where provision was going to come from. He didn't know. He didn't have it on his own. The people in Jerusalem didn't have it. He just, he needed a wall. He didn't know where provision was coming from. The people that he was going to help, they didn't understand what he was doing. Fear was constantly offered to him. Ridicule was constantly offered to him. Fatigue in himself and in the people around just started to set in. Does it sound familiar at all? Especially you OGs. I want you to look at how Nehemiah handles this in this passage. Now, when it was reported to Sanballat and Tobiah and to Geshem the Arab and to the rest of our enemies that I had built the wall and that there was no gap left in it, though up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop? Will I leave it to come down to you? They sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to this report, you wish to become their king. You have also set up prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you, there is a king in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king according to these words. So come, therefore, and let us confer together. Then I sent to him that no such things as you say have been done. You're inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Let me try to explain what's going on here a little bit. Sanballat, Tobias, they don't want this wall built. So they tried to just say they were going to conquer it. Didn't work. They picked up weapons and kept building the wall. Then they said that foxes would walk on top and the weak little wall would crumble. And Nehemiah and all the Nehemiah's people just kept building. And then they said, okay. Fear and mockery haven't worked, so maybe now let's, let's just try to, like, get Nehemiah to argue. They tried four times, and Nehemiah doesn't leave his post. And then they question Nehemiah's character. They question and, and lie about what's being done, lie about the purpose of the wall, just trying to draw him away so the wall isn't built, but Nehemiah doesn't take the bait. And Nehemiah ends with this prayer that is so powerful, but now, oh God, strengthen my hands. So distractions. God has called us together into something. 
I really believe that we are in old Louisville so that when people look back and tell the story of old Louisville, there is a pivotal shift in the story that happened a couple years ago because some people said, perhaps, God wants to do something. And I think when people tell the story of old Louisville, they will look back and they'll see tangible, practical ways that this place becomes a place of healing and wholeness in a way that it wasn't before. I think city planners will have to re-plan how they're doing things. And, and it will not make sense when they lay out what they thought would happen and what happened when they look at the corner of 4th and Oak. They'll say, okay, it's different. And not because we're doing something awesome, but because we're being faithful to what God's invited us to do. And I believe as we are faithful, that that's God's intent. That the Puritan is to be blessed, that the places to the north of us are to be blessed, that, that people are going to find dignity and wholeness and all of this happen because, well, God's at work. And it's not because we're awesome, it's because we're faithful, and that's all that we're doing. And as we do that, distractions come in, right? So it says, Scripture says that God is our defender, right? Oftentimes, I've noticed that we act as if we have to be his. We don't. God doesn't ask you to be his defender. He asks you to be prepared to give testimony. He's asked you to be prepared to tell of what he's done in your life, what he's done in our life. He's asked us to live in such a way that people can not deny what he's done. But we don't need to go follow every little conversation to defend him. We don't have to. He didn't ask us to do that. He asked us to be faithful in what he's asked us to do. He's our provider. And so again, we use our testimony, we use our life to invite people to be a part of what's happening here, but we don't have to chase provision. We trust our provider. We invite people into the story, but as individuals or as a whole, we, we trust like we have trusted that he would provide. And what have we seen so far? That somehow he's provided. And some days I don't know where from, and nobody ever tells me, but God's good. He's cared for us. He's our protector. He's our advocate. Now, it's a little insider information, but I think a lot of you know it. There, there's people in town who've kind of lied on us a little bit, who think we're up to stuff that we're not up to. There's, there's people who think that we have some agenda that we don't have. And sometimes they love to, to tell two or three people about it. We don't need to go find those two or three people and correct them. We don't need to. God's our defender. God's our advocate. God's our provider. They'll know when they know. Our task is to not get distracted away. Our task is not to leave our posts. And the thing that's so convicting for me in this, in this passage is how, how Nehemiah kind of gets a, a game face. You know what I mean by game face? It's like that point in the movie 
where all of a sudden the main character's face gets real serious. It's where like the music changes and all of a sudden like Eminem's beat comes and you know he's about to win the rap battle or like Rocky looks like this and then he gets hit and he looks exactly the same but you know that it's supposed to look different. It's just Sly Stallone acting poorly. You know what I mean? It's that moment where like, oh, that person's serious right now. They mean it. This is where we get to have this laser focus, no distraction. This is where our prayer gets to be, okay, God, there is all this going on around me. There are distractions. There are people lying. There is, uh, I, I want to get caught up, discouraged. All of these things are offered to me like a buffet. You ever been in that spot personally or as a church? I know we have as a church, but personally, you've been in that spot where all of these things are offered to you, where you could just quit quicker than you could do anything else. And Nehemiah's prayer is not even, God, take those things away. Would you please make San Ballot, like, stop lying about me? Would you please stop? He doesn't do any of that. He trusts that God is God, and his only prayer is, God, strengthen my hands. This wall's not done. And if my hands remain strong, and if I finish my part, God has never changed. God does what God does. And so please just let me do my part. And that's what we see here. Nehemiah's prayer is simple. His focus is simple. Strengthen my hands. I got a wall to build. And they build this wall, and all of a sudden, healing comes into the place. And people are brought back to the word of God and brought back to the heart of God and all of this movement starts to happen in people's life because he didn't go chase after all of these distractions. He didn't let the other people chase after all of these other distractions. He didn't let discouragement grow. He just didn't. When he had every reason to go defend himself, to go defend his friends. He just prayed, now, Lord, strengthen my hands. And God strengthened his hands. And he finished the wall. As he finished the wall, Sanballat, Tobias, everybody else, they all saw that God was exactly who God says he was, and their testimony became true and powerful. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3. Excuse me. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. So collectively, this is real simple. If you, if you call this place home, if this is kind of your, your church, this is your family meal, our call is to let this place look different because we're growing to become more like Jesus. That's what we're doing. It's that simple. And then in your life, what's the specific part that you play? Not just for the church, but in your life. What is the prize that he's put before you? And then the, the word that I really feel for us is like, let's not be distracted away from that. Don't give in to discouragement. I know it's work. I say it like it's easy. I know that it's not. You might need to talk to somebody to get rid of that, to shed that, to do all of that. I, I get that. Let's do the hard work. Don't give in to fatigue. 
Take care of yourself. Rest, Sabbath, all of that. But then let's pray that he strengthens our hands. Let's not give in to fear that God is changing who he is. God has never changed. He's consistent and good. Let's not chase after ways that people are are doing things in ways that we wouldn't. Let's just do what we do. And let God be God. Let's strain forward for what lies ahead and press towards the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. So we have these really simple things in the next couple weeks. This coming Wednesday, we pull out some circle tables. We throw some playing cards and some dominoes on them. We light the grill outside from 12 to 3. We've got people in here. Last Last month, it was mostly some of us together because it was raining real hard. So we played cards and laughed. And, uh, but when it's not raining, we have a lot of neighbors come through. It's a great time for us to practice being who we are. We're people that are here to transform our community as we become more like Jesus. And we're faithful to that call. And that means on that Wednesday from 12 to 3, I'll be here. We're sitting around circle tables doing that. If you got a half hour to hang out with us or an hour to hang out with us, come hang out. That's what we're doing. This one-stop shop that we've got in a couple weeks. What is that? That's us practicing from a different angle, transforming our community as we become more like Jesus. That's all it is. One way we can do that is we can bring in our stuff and we can love our, our neighbors by we, we had someone walk in earlier today who was like, okay, what is all of this? I really want that crock pot. Someone brought in a nice crock pot. Someone was REIing it. We explained what was going on, and just light filled her face. And she was like, oh, you mean we get to come in here and we get to, like, shop? I don't know if you know how this is happening. There's, like, dignity given. It's not just items. People are given money when they walk in. This will be set up like a shop. There will be coat racks and things like that. This will be as nice as we can make it. At the end, there's a cash register where people have the dignity of being able to pay for what they're receiving, and they get to leave. We'll shop right next to them, care for them, love on them. Why? Because they are made in the image of God, just like you and I. Why? Because I learn so much when we hang out together, so why not invent new ways to hang out together? Why? Because we've been called to transform this community as we become more like Jesus. I'll tell you something I saw in Ethiopia and something I've seen every Wednesday that we do this meal is the people that we're sitting with often look more like Jesus than I do. And often, me becoming more like Jesus just means that I'm listening to somebody and hearing of their faithfulness, and it spurs on mine. Or hearing of their sacrifice and being humbled by it. Or hearing of their faith think like, but maybe, just maybe I could have faith like that too. So these aren't just random ideas that we're doing of the one-stop shop. It'd be like nice people. Hang out with us. We're not nice. If you think you are, you're lying. Like, we're not a collection of nice people. We are a collection of people We've got a little bit of bravado and are trying to follow after Jesus. We're a whole bunch of personality, really, 
who love him well. And that's something that this community is desperate for. And when I was over in Ethiopia watching my friends from my church play, instead of friends from another church, I had a little bit of like dad pride. I'm like, yeah, this is us. This is a representative of us. And where we are, we're going to dive in and we're going to be messy and loud and have fun and bring life because that's who we are. And we're going to trust that God is in the midst of that. And as I thought about this morning, the word that I have from you is do not be distracted away from being those people. Let's not be distracted away from what God has called us to. It might not yet look like what we thought it would, but that doesn't matter. God's faithful and at work. And so let our prayer be, Lord, strengthen my hands. Does that work? I want to invite you to stand to your feet.